La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou-glou-glou font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding-ding-dong. Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum. Tout avec lui dit boum. Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille. Welcome to a new edition of the French Rugby Connection with moi, Véronique Landiou, and all the way from Toulouse, monsieur. With moi, Tom Dixon. Tom Dixon, how are you, Tom? Oh, I'm very good, thank you. I'm drinking some South African Chardonnay. <gasps> Cheers to all the listeners. It's Stellenbosch Chardonnay 2019. I think it's a bit full-bodied and a bit past its best. Does that make <laughs> you think of anything? Just about, yeah. Did something happen last weekend in the Stade Vélodrome in uh, in Marseille? I've got thirty twenty six ringing around my head. Does that ring a bell to you? Yes, yeah. What a game! But so much violence, so brutal. Can oh, you imagine? You know, the housewife watching the TV with the young kids. You know, it was. They should have put a warning. It was. It was ferocious. It was a fantastic proper test match and fantastically the fact that there wasn't a world cup or anything up for grabs meant that they were just playing it as rugby should be there's no <gasps> tactics no bigger picture it was just two teams against each other and wow you're right it was ferocious yes but having said that you know the red cards um given to the south african player really launched into Dante, it was horrendous. There was no need for that. It was. That, that was Peter Stéphane Dutois hitting mm -hmm. Jonathan Dante, flying into him trying, like a Superman still from the movies. He was just horizontal flying through the air and his head hit Dante's eye socket, basically. And the, the thought at the moment was that it would be a fractured eye socket, but I think we've got away without that. But yeah, there were... Five head impact assessments. So five yes. people went off with concussion. Three people went off broken, wounded, unable to play on. Two red cards and one yellow card. So apart from that, how was the match for you? <laughs> it was, you know, out of this world. We knew beforehand that it would be a brutal match. So I was expecting some kind of violence attached to it. But the degree to which it amounted was was a bit too much, you know, for my liking. But yeah, well, another shock was seeing uh, Monsieur Dupont getting his first red card. But as you could see, yes, of course, it was a red card, but it wasn't malicious, you know, and he apologized to Colby, Actually, you know, make sure he, that he, he was okay. at the time. He was photographed going over to him on the ground and shaking his hand. Yes, um, of course, because they used to play together in Toulouse, you know, each other. So what did you make about that game again? You mentioned about the the number of injuries, number of yellow cards, two red cards, you know, unheard of, you know, for a between bracket friendly match and one year before the, the World Cup. Right. Oh, it was fantastic. I think there were a few strange errors and injuries. Cyril Bai had come back extremely quickly from a career-changing injury and clearly he came back far too fast. I think the medical team have to explain themselves there they have questions to answer because he's out for another x months 20 odd minutes into his return game so that was hasty but um Cyril Bai is a totemic player in that kind of game where your front row and your scrum in general is everything 
Antonio went off. Dante went off. Head injury assessments. Lovely Thibaut Flamand went off injured. A commotion cerebral, head injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a t- it was a tough old time, but that's rugby. I got pulled up on social media because I said, "What a shame! There's a red card. I'd love to see 15 against 15 of a match of this standard to see who mm-hmm. comes out strong." Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid I don't have the treat to hand. But someone came back and said, "Well, why people do get cards? That's rugby nowadays." And I, mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with him. Why nobody ever sees 15 against 15 in a in a strong muscular game like that so playing playing the game correctly for from the referee's point of view is, is as important as getting the throw-ins right and the rolling malls so that made me think twice about that 15 against 15 isn't an option we're never going to see it in a in a strong match isn't that sad it was yes but it was again the red cards are given and i heard somewhere another commentator saying that actually there should be two sets of cards actually i think it was a lafon from a racing 92 racing metro player jean-baptiste lafon and he was saying actually the referee should have issued a black card and a red card red card when it's not intentional you know like the one from dupont and black card when the player really wanted to hurt. There was no need to bash him on his head, you know. And so, yeah, sometimes the rules of, uh, of rugby needs to be reworked, I think, because so, it wasn't on. So two tries apiece. The difference was in the penalties, with France scoring six penalties, against South Africa getting four home. Uh, it must be extraordinarily difficult to be a coach for these games because your team seems constantly to be going off for head injury assessments or injuries and juggling around and cards left, right and centre. But they gave us, the audience, a fantastic time and I wish I had been in Marseille to see it. Uh, oh, yes. On the atmosphere, you know, they did really thank the 16 men. I mean, the atmosphere was absolutely um, marvellous. You know, there was so much cheering, supporting, you know, I think the, the Les Bleus got transported by this enthusiasm, you know, coming from the supporters, comparing to what we discussed last week. Yeah. You know, the atmosphere in, in Twickenham versus the atmosphere in uh, Salvelo, in, uh, in Stade Velodrome, you know, was, was like day and night. Yes, indeed. Well, for completion, let me just say that the French tries were from Bay and Falatia, and South Africa was Colissi and Adrensi. And what a fine game. I think it's going to be a World Cup knockout phase until we see a game like that again. You bet. But uh, I believe there was one coach who wasn't very, very happy you know, <laughs> on Twitter. What happened? Well, this this gets my goat. I, I may have mentioned in previous podcasts that I, I don't lightly tolerate the, the dismissal of referees' decisions. Don't have a go at the referee. And frankly, Razzie Erasmus was trying to bully Wayne Barnes. I don't think it'll get very far. Wayne Barnes is a very strong cookie. 101 test matches, a, a barrister in the London at the London bar. He's not going to mm-hmm. be bullied. But less. Nick Bray had a massive video against him a year ago. Razi Erasmus has been quoted this week as being rugby's Donald Trump. He, I heard that. I read that as it, well, yes. <laughs> is, but but it, is, it is serious. It is a really diminishing the respect that rugby has for referees. Referees are never perfect. They're never going to have a perfect day. But Razi Erasmus didn't mention Dante's broken face. 
and instead set out a series of videos on Twitter showing the the parts of the game that could have gone his way. Now, of course, there are parts of every game that could go one way or, or the other. But the Donald Trump comparison is because when he wins, it's all fair and perfect. And, and when he loses, it's because the rest of the world is ganging up on him. And I know. has a net result of bullying referees. Mention Nick Berry. He had a terrible time after the box against the Lions a couple of years ago when he had this massive... Because the, the Bok fans are a bit like the Trump followers, actually. They they rather blinkered to alternative views and they, they swallow his comments and pile into the poor, unsuspecting referee. Sure, that's part of the game and sure they're big enough and ugly enough to cope with it. But it's nasty. It's not rugby. I don't know why his fellow coaches aren't standing up and saying, I'm being made to be part of this. Where's where's the scrum coaches like Dan Heumann? Where, where's where are the other coaches saying, where are the players saying, I'm not going to put up with this. You're, you're ruining our game. He's trying to make himself appear as if he's not part of the establishment and using sarcasm to say, oh, we've got to work harder to understand the rules. He's just making a trap of himself. And it's time that other people, including World Rugby, really stood up against him. Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, like you say, rugby is not football, it's got rules. When a player speaks to the referee, calls him sir as well, I believe. <laughs> There's a degree of politeness, of respect, and whatever the decision, you know, a coach will, you know, will be, okay, might slightly criticize but not use such a passive aggressive message you know on on social media just to stir the anger of the south african supporter there are two others other points involved with this anti-referee rant one is a player the great chesney colby his wife got involved tweeting that wayne barnes had been bribed by the french which is clearly defamatory and i wouldn't go anywhere near a criminal barrister suggesting that but it's also clearly absolute rubbish but yeah, referees do their best is is on his 101th cap he was there within a meter of a perfectly good try and called it a try and said he didn't need the intervention of oh, the video referees so yeah let the referees do their job but the other one that has some quite serious repercussions mr ronan agara brings his name into the anti-referee thing again um We'll remember that this season already has been up before the beak. He got a two-week ban for slagging off the referees in La Rochelle against Racing 92. He then got a six-week ban for disrespect during La Rochelle against Lyon. And this time, quite exceptionally, and a lesson for world rugby, is Bernard Laporte and René Buscatel, the presidents of Federation de Rugby and mm-hmm. the League yes. National de Rugby, have together launched a complaint against Ronan O'Gara for messages that have come to light where he's really piling into the head of the French Referee Association. In some instances, he may be right. In others, he may be wrong. But you don't do this. And if the two presidents are launching a process against Ronan O'Gara in the French system, it's very likely won't win. And it's very likely that the punishment may be severe, So, uh, which may have a implications for the rest of La Rochelle season. So as French rugby connections, watch this space. Yes. So I have to say, I believe that another coach who was very vocal, 
as well was the former owner of Toulon, Morad. Morad. Morad was a few times today. He got expelled as well from the stadium. But yeah, I think it goes with the personalities of some coaches. In French, you say, il faut de tout pour faire un monde. You need a mixture of personalities to make the world go round. Unfortunately, we're not robots. But there is a coach, I think, that was praised by its players. That was very valued and very revered. Very revered. Very revered. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> was Jacques Fourou, aka Le Petit Caporal, who oh. actually, you know, did really, really well. He was a former player who became... Entraîneur, sélectionneur. So he was the coach of the French team, you know, the prior, the, the professional games. Yeah. He won the, the Grand Chelem in 1981 with his players. And you may remember, 1987, the first World Cup took place in New Zealand. And the, the team, you know, led by Jacques Fourou and with the players like Franck Menel, Benazi, uh, was Benazi there? I forgot. Was Eric uh, Chant in the team at that time? Yes, definitely Eric Chant and also uh, Saint-André. Mm. So they, they were all a bunch of amateurs and they did reach the final, but they lost only just. And they were saying afterwards, you know, their regret was, ah, if only we would have trained a little bit more. But the guys, you know, they had a full-time job as well, as well as being rugby players. I heard some good feedback from the players that we interviewed as well. Like you were there when I when I interviewed Eric Chant. And also the thing with Jacques Ferrou was extremely clever, witty, full of charisma. And he was a short man. He was only like five foot four. Yeah. But, uh, you know, size doesn't matter. It's not the size that counts. It's what you can do with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he had such a rapport, such a connection with his players that the players loved him and respected him. And he was very shrewd. And he was able to get all the players, you know, work towards the same direction. He was a good, good person to have as a manager. So, yes, Jacques, uh, le petit caporal is, is one, one to remember. Oh, fantastic. So, what did the ladies get up to this weekend? Aha, okay, well, the ladies won la petite finale, the bronze. Uh, they did, and 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 with a zero score, wasn't it? It was thirty-six zero against Canada, which really shows that in world ladies rugby there are only three teams in the play: New Zealand, England, and finished first, second, third in that order. Bravo, Canada! Uh, the the ladies are still at France. Half of them are. Some of them work in the Stade Toulousain shop mm -hmm. as their day job, so they can mm -hmm. uh, train in in their breaks and their afternoons. So they're semi-professional. But New Zealand. I thought, I thought they were seventy-five percent professional, so it's only fifty percent professional. Oh, uh, uh, if you know the stats, you, you know better than me. I'm, uh, I, I'm talking in general terms because I, I see mm -hmm. these very fit people when I go buy my buy my uh, shirt every year. But New Zealand were wonderful, and both the New Zealand and the England ladies coaches are in the running for this weekend's Coach of the Year at uh, the World Rugby Jamboree in Monaco. 
So be interesting to see, and even then, they're even being talked about as a potential replacement for an England trainer the day when Eddie Jones goes. So who knows? I think that's stretching it out a bit, but that's Wayne Smith who turned the Black Ferns round in the space of a year. England are going to the World Cup in the space of a year. And mm-hmm. um, Simon Middleton, who who coached the England Roses. And the England Roses lost this World Cup final 34-31, and that put an end to a winning streak. Now, you've been talking about winning streaks recently. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many matches the English Roses won before they lost this final? Oh, I forgot. I think they, they established a record. Are we talking about 20 or...? 30. Oh, 30. 30. Yeah, yeah. It goes to show the inequality of the competition that they have won Grand Slams in all of the last four Six Nations. Yes, Um, well, hopefully it's going to change due to the the engouement, the enthusiasm, you know, of the people watching watching a women's rugby on ITV, except it was at crazy crazy (laughs) o'clock. It was very early in the morning, but yeah, it was a great... uh, a great spectacle, a great publicity uh, for, uh, for women's rugby. But so, just to point out that next spring, the France England, the England France Six Nations match is going to be a standalone match in Twickenham Stadium. So, not back to back behind a men's match, it's their own match, the stadium just for them. I believe they've already sold 20,000 tickets and they're hoping to sell 20,000, 40,000. Oh, that would be good. Please, listeners, get behind that and let's see you there. They won't be expensive, certainly not as expensive as the men's, although in time, let's hope they get a bit more in. Mm -hmm. That's a real opportunity that's coming up to support women's rugby and these two great teams as well. Is there any news on any trainers this week? Oh, my goodness. So today I was reading that uh, our friend between brackets, uh, Christopher Yours, was given the boot (laughs) from Bordeaux-Bègle. Isn't that extraordinary? We have been commenting how Urios must be furious and how Bordeaux was so out of position. They're 11th at the moment during this pause in the top 14. And true to everything that happens in sport, he, he will receive a big pay packet and given an early exit because uh, his contract was until 2025. That That is correct. And last year he was very pleased, you know, that his contract had been renewed because, to be honest with you, he started really well in 2019 until March 1920 when COVID, you know, reared its ugly head. Um, Bordeaux was was leading. Yeah. And the year after did it quite well. I think towards last year he had a few a few clashes, a few issues maybe with some of the players, you know, with um, Cameron Wookie, Mathieu Jalibert, and when Mathieu Jalibert was asked, you know, how is it going at the end of the game, uh, Mathieu said, you know, I play for Bordeaux Bègle, I don't play for Christophe, yeah. <laughs> which was oh, <laughs> and, and they lost quite... Rima, the number eight came to Toulouse, where he's doing very well. So, so actually, they did ha- they did lose lots of the scrum, and around the scrum. So, so losing players isn't always the manager's fault. There's investment in new ones that can be too slow sometimes. But hey, that's where we are. Urias has gone. I wonder where he- where he's going to pop up next. 
Well, guess what? He's very busy because he wrote a management book. He holds some seminar. He's also, I believe, he has also a vineyard. So yes, I'm sure he would keep himself busy. And obviously, because he had an early exit, he got plenty of cash as well. Uh, I'm sure he did. So, other internationals, did you did you see my Toulouse friend Ange Capuyozzo playing? Yes, that was amazing. So happy for Italy. They are really they are they are ramping up. Amazing, especially against Australia. You know, so it's not a score that people would have expected because we are so used to in the northern hemisphere to see you know Italy losing every Six Nations, except last year they beat Wales. They did beat Wales. Don't don't tell Mike. He'll, <laughs> he'll be that was up. amazing. Actually, it wasn't. It wasn't last year. It was this year, of course. Yes, uh, and was, it was uh, Ange Capiozzo who uh, who effectively was the man of the match. Definitely, us. definitely, yes, yes. So uh, well, well done. And uh, England, yeah, redeemed themselves as they win against Japan. Indeed, quite. That was fifty-two thirteen. Italy, Australia is twenty-eight twenty-seven. So one point. You can't get closer. So happy for them. It really shows they've benefited from being in the Six Nations and uh, knocking on the door of the first tier. So uh, I was so happy for them. I, that made me jump up uh, almost as much as uh, the France-South Africa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another competition that took place as well, the Barbarian. Oh, yes. We come back to Ronan O'Gara, who was training who uh, was the trainer for the Barbarians who played against the New Zealand 15. And it finished at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club Stadium. It finished 35-31 in favour of da, 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 the Barbarians. And it was a fantastic match to watch on Tinternet only, I'm afraid. There was the most wonderful hacker because five of the Barbarians were of New Zealand origin. So they were joining in the hacker against the New Zealand players. So there's a double-sided, identical hacker to each other standing up to which is lovely because it is a challenge that is expected to be met. And so it was met, but it was lovely. So a great game, great fun. Can you guess who the man of the match was? Or player of the match, as we have to say nowadays? Can you tell me? It was a young Montpellier player with a British passport called Zach Mercer. Yes, I know. I was surprised to see him in the Barbarian list. You know, I said, oh, that's, that's good. That's good for his experience. He's going two places. Yes. And Barbarians are playing again with a totally different side, largely Celtic, mostly Irish, to be honest. They're playing against Harlequins this Thursday, the 17th, on the RCT YouTube channel, the Toulon YouTube channel. So there is another Harlequins match you can catch. Mm-hmm. Um. The top 14 is still on holiday, but Pro Day Dirt are back this week. Colombia is my favourite game. It's happening on Friday night, but I don't think I'll go out. There's too much rugby this weekend for me because Saturday afternoon and evening will be a fantastic pub session, I think, with Scotland, England, New Zealand and Ireland, Australia. And on Sunday, I have France versus Japan in person at the Toulouse Stadium, having a lovely time watching proper test match rugby. It's likely France will win, and it's likely we won't have Antoine Dupont, 
because his after his red card, if the red card stays on Wednesday's review, then he will be banned. Sifford Bai is injured, Bruma is injured. So a few of the Toulousain have dropped out of the bottom, but we may well see the debut of Matisse Lebel, the Toulouse winger, brought on for the event. Japan in Toulouse is a regular fixture. During the 2007 World Cup, the Japanese team was based in Toulouse and used the local rugby club's facilities. Next year, Japan will be based in Toulouse and they're uh, playing a couple of matches here. So, so the match this Sunday is a more continuity and to remind and them what it looks like. Is it in the Stade Ernest Vallon or is it's it in the bigger stadium? For the benefit of our listeners, the Stade Ernest Vallon, our rugby team has a capacity of 18,000 and the football team has a capacity, football ground in the centre of town has a capacity of 30,000. So for World Cup matches and of test matches, it goes to the football, which I yes. hate because we are caged and kept apart from, from the players, even in my VIP seats. Another sad news that I wanted to share was an kind of i don't know what adjective i'm looking for but you may remember 13 of november 2015 when the massacre the bataclan and i think in a restaurant somewhere in paris in which hundreds of young innocents were murdered the day after there was a game uh, a european game between saracens against toulouse in alliance park and one one fan, I forgot his name, brought for the occasion. Brought he bought him he bought loads of different flags and he put them across the field. And just before the game, there was one minute silence in which they played the La Marseillaise. So it was a very very moving moment, you know. Because to be honest with you, I think the uh, the game might have should have been could have been cancelled. But, but instead, after now looking back, I think it was good that the, the, the game took place as well, you know, to say a, a violence is not going to win. Yeah. And after the game, the fan brought a, a massive flag in the in room of the players and he had it signed. And you have seen me on my Twitter that there's, I'm holding the flag with, with my buddy, Areta Lagarde. And what happened is that when in January 2016, Toulouse, Saracen went to play in Toulouse in Ernest Vallon. I remember. Um, yeah. Yes, the, the flag was given, which is one of the other supporters' club, you know, and they were extremely grateful and their flag is still there in their, in their, in their what do you call it? Uh, in their clubhouse. In their clubhouse, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I remember there was a little bit of speech, but yeah, all kudos to that fan who had you know, the thought of who thought of buy, about buying, you know, all those flags and, you know, make it memorable and pay tribute to all the innocent that uh, lost their lives. Yes, that's a lovely story. I wasn't aware of all that. I have learned something. Um, yes. Uh, 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 thank you for that very much. Yes. And I remember seeing, you know, the players, the players probably like majority of French people probably didn't sleep at all, you know, that night. And and it was one of the last games of Thierry Dussautoir, I remember, you know, coming back. It was a national day of mourning because it was an attack against the French people. 
Here we go. You ready to go to see the Les Bleus against uh, Japan next this this weekend? I'm so looking forward to it. I outside of the World Cup, I think about 12 years ago, we had South Africa play France in Toulouse, and from memory, the back row at the time was all Toulousain. It was Clément Poitrineau, Vincent Clerc, and probably Cédric Caymans, and a fair few of the people in front of them. And I remember them beating South Africa. Not many, not many teams at any time could come to the south of France and expect to win. It's not. It's not the same as Paris. The south of France really is the heart of French football. This is Japan. They're a bit tier two, but they're coming up. And who'll forget? Who'll ever forget them beating South Africa in Brighton in the 2015 World Cup? So, that was brilliant, and then Eddie Jones was offered the job <laughs> as a coach. So it was a great, a great. It was great a good thing CV for filler for him. It was, <laughs> it was a career move. Yeah. So now I shall tell you all about that and see if I can see anything happening on the outskirts. What do you do with this situation? I'm I'm counting on turning up two hours beforehand to walk around the outside of the stadium to find something to eat. That's likely to be duck hearts and chips from the Samaran food van or oysters from my friends at De La Crie Occitane. Possibly not the pies and pint that I had at Harlequins a month ago. But yeah. hey, love international games. I'll just be sucking up the atmosphere and enjoying the rugby. Excellent. Un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq. <laughs> So Rugby Friends, I hope you enjoyed our French Rugby Connection latest episode. We'll be back next week with more, more news from our envoyé spécial from from le, le Stade de Toulouse. I forgot what's the name of the Toulouse Stadium. It's not the Ernest Ballon, it's the big one. It, it, Ernest Ballon is the Stade Toulousain home, but it is le Stadium Municipal de Toulouse. Very That's boring. le Stadium, le Stadium, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, looking forward to to hear from you, and hopefully, it won't be as violent as uh, as the one that we witnessed at Stad Velodrome. Brutal rather than violent, but yes, I, I agree. Yes. Thank you so much, Veronique. Thank you for listening to us, listeners. It's goodbye from me, Tom Dixon. Au revoir. Au revoir. Shall we? Let me do. No, say that au revoir. No, oh. you say au revoir, and you say cheerfully au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding-ding-dong. Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum, tout avec lui dit boum. Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille.